Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a April 13th, Thursday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. Another edition of our Playoff Preview, Part 3 of the Locked On Blazers Playoff Preview. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where we have a wide variety of shows covering the NBA, NFL, covering every team in both of those leagues. We do it better than anybody, so make sure to check out all of the podcasts that we have. For the NBA, NFL, we're continuing to expand. We're continuing to grow. Uh, very exciting stuff. So be sure to be on the lookout for more stuff in the Lockdown Podcast Network. And one of the great things about the Lockdown Podcast Network is that we're able to do things like the episode that we're going to have uh, tonight. And that is that Danny LaRue from Lockdown Warriors, also the Dunked on Basketball podcast, Sporting News Real GM. He's also writing a book about the Warriors. We were able to have him on and give us, uh, you know, a really insightful, uh, very well researched and just experienced perspective on the Warriors uh, in a way that it, it is hard to get sometimes. And even though the Warriors are covered the way they are, having a guy like Danny to shed light on a lot of the, the little things that I don't think get picked up on uh, by a lot of the national media covering the Warriors is really great. And uh, I was really, I really had a great time talking about the series with Danny. We broke down rotations, matchups, trying to think about what each team is going to do, how they're going to start the series, who's going to start for Portland, how is Steve Kerr going to approach guarding Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, all that type of stuff. And, uh, it's one of the great things about this, uh, the lockdown podcast network is we're able to get Danny LaRue on to give you real inside info here on the warriors. So, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, and we're not done with the preview. We're going to have one more, uh, part of this preview, uh, coming out, but, uh, I definitely wanted to make sure that we got that warriors perspective that Danny, uh, it, it, that you know, Danny is extremely qualified to give, uh, and so uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Maybe uh, you'll you'll be encouraged because it, it you know he seems uh, uh, pretty you know it, there's some interesting things there that may give Portland a little bit of an opening to win a game, not get swept, and uh, you know make this series uh, really interesting beyond the fact that both of the teams play. Uh, really entertaining styles of basketball. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot uh, in terms of news before we get to that conversation that happened today on Thursday, uh, one of the, the final days that the team will be here before they head to uh, the Bay Area. It sounds like Alan Crabb is going to be ready to go, which is not surprising. Uh, it makes sense that the Blazers rested him as long as they did. They've rest. They will. He will have a week of rest under his belt by the time Game One comes around. Uh, and so that is a positive for Portland because Crabb is their best three-point shooter. And against the Warriors, I mean, we'll we'll talk about that with Danny. We talk a lot about how Crabb could be extremely important in this series. And I guess the other uh, 
bit of news that kind of made the rounds today was uh, Damien's Blazers in Six comment that kind of got picked up by a lot of blogs. He was asked by Dan Sheldon uh, on the Rip City Live uh, pregame show, Blazers in Six or Seven. Dan, uh, I, I was on Dan's show, uh, Rip City Mornings, and, and Dan uh, was clearly being lighthearted and trying to get Dame to be lighthearted about the series because he knows just as well as anybody, you're not about to ask a guy, Hey, uh, especially an NBA player who are like the most confident guys. Oh yeah. You, you're going to lose. So obviously he's not going to ask him that. And so, uh, and Dan was just having fun with it. So, and at the same time, I don't know who's actually mad at Damian Lillard saying that. Maybe some people are. I didn't watch first take or or undisputed with Skip Bayless or whatever. But I, I I get. Please tell me in the comments if I like am missing some people who are really mad at Lillard for saying this because I kind of think that is a, is a straw man. And while I do, you know. Dame is great, and it, it it is wonderful that there are a lot of journalists that wanted to come to his defense and say that it was in context. And oh my gosh, I can't believe Bleacher Report, you know, pulled that quote and and used it in a graphic the way they did. Whatever, whatever. Who's actually mad about that? I don't know, because like that is my big question. So uh, that that was kind of one take I wanted to throw out there. It's like who is actually mad about the Damian Lillard thing, and who are these people setting straight? You know, so, uh, but I guess there, you know, there are people on Twitter that are saying things, but I don't, I don't really know. Uh, it, it just seems like there is, that's a very minority opinion of people who actually were bothered by what Dame said. And it was a little funny to me, all the people that felt like they needed to defend him when it's like, I mean, I don't know, but people get angry about stupid stuff. So, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, the Dame Blazers and Six thing made the rounds, and uh, one final thing uh, on this series, we will have an update for you on Yusuf Nurkic's status tomorrow. Maybe we'll get a report earlier. I doubt it. I think the team is going to give uh, the first report on Nurkic, but you know, you never know. There could be some reports that come out uh, before that indicating his status. Uh, positive or negative so uh yeah um we'll find out though on friday uh afternoon probably after the blazers practice which is they usually tend to practice uh in the middle of the day so we'll get uh some kind of update early afternoon on yusuf nurkic whether he will be available or not so that's one last bit of news to look out for and we will have uh analysis of whatever news comes out uh, about him but uh, without further ado please enjoy this Warriors Blazers first round deep dive preview with Danny LaRue from Lockdown Warriors welcome to uh, another edition of the playoff preview Locked On Warriors Locked On Blazers crossover podcast Danny LaRue how are you doing I'm doing well. I am excited for this series for a lot of different reasons. It lost some of its sizzle with the Yusuf Nurkic being limited out. We don't know exactly yet. That'll probably be out kind of around the time that this gets released, which is always fun. But these are teams that have played an immense amount of entertaining games against each other at full strength, at less than full strength. So I'm just ready to roll. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm very excited for this series. Uh, I, I'm just excited for the games. Like no matter how long this series goes, these two teams do play fun games against each other for the most part. I know the first meeting was, uh, you know, Golden State whooped them, and I think Portland was really in a really bad place at that time. Um, but uh, I, I the the series last year was great, and I, I, I'm looking forward to round two. I Even if it's a, a sweep, I think these games will be very entertaining. Right, and that I think that was part of the story last year, too. Like You and I talked not because these podcasts didn't exist, but you and I talked in various capacities last year, and that was one of the most fun five-game series I can remember. And there were so many just twists and turns in it, and almost all of the games were interesting in their own way. And I think that, Part of the story of this of this series, which is so different from so many other series, is that 
each of these teams has just dealt with so much turnover over the course of the last, you know, the last couple weeks with injuries and everything. And we're going to see lineups that we've never really spent much time with before. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. When Before we started this podcast, we were kind of talking about that because looking at the Blazers, without ever since they've been without Nurkic, it doesn't seem like they've been able to find – they, they haven't really found a consistent starting lineup, really. They haven't really stuck with one. And then on the Warriors' end of things, they clinched, and then they've been resting everyone, right? I mean, someone has been resting like every other game, so they have not had like the full complement. I think is what you, what you said, right? So they clinched against Phoenix on April fifth, and Durant didn't play in that game. He hadn't come back yet, and since then they've sat somebody important in every single game because they didn't have that long to really rest. And they, you know, they had had games where they kind of took it easy, and so basically. It has been functionally since the All-Star break. That, uh, the game that I would say is the real full strength, you could argue, was February 27th against the Sixers. But uh, but the game that I really think of is February 23rd against the Clippers, which was the first game after the All-Star break. That was the last time that the, that we really saw the you know peak of their powers, Warriors. That was a game where they had a, had a really good stretch early, and then you know they ended up winning pretty comfortably. Yeah, and, and another thing that I think adds a, an interesting wrinkle to this matchup is that these teams haven't played each other in a really long time. And even though Nurkic is, his status is in doubt and I'm, I'm not, I don't necessarily believe that he's going to be back. I I am just worried about the whole thing with him having a fractured leg as cool as it would be. But even without him in the middle, the Blazers are playing some they're just playing differently. Like they like they're playing Noah Vonley a lot. He he might start game one. Then they've started Myers against Myers Leonard against Utah, and that was the game that Lillard had fifty nine, so they could start Myers. Like uh, one of the interesting subplots is like what is Terry Stotts going to do with the starting lineup? Because we know that I mean JaVale's not gonna start over Zaza in game one, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, and so so there are various ideas that different people have about what the Warriors should do with their big man rotation, but it doesn't seem like the unconventional stuff is going to come early. Like I'm actually my my idea, which I've said a couple times, is that I think they should start David West and play him four to five minutes, and then pull him, and then go to Draymond at center, and then go with David West, then back again in his normal spot at the beginning of the second quarter. That's the way that I would do it. I am a hundred percent convinced that is not what Steve Kerr is going to do. It seems like one of the subplots of this series and this postseason for the Warriors is that those current decisions like that is and, and I guess we get we get a little bit of a test run here against a Blazers team that, you know, is is has very low odds, but could make them uncomfortable. Portland has unusual strengths. I mean, they have one of the best offensive guard combinations in the league, arguably the best. I mean, you have to go in a lot of different directions. Steph and Clay are a very different type of offensive guy because both both Damian and CJ are so good with the ball in their hands. That's what makes them different than Steph and Clay. And that becomes a challenge for the Warriors because it changes the way that they use Steph and Curry defensively. And also the Warriors switch a lot, so maybe it won't change it that much in that context. And also, I mean, we, we've talked about it a little bit, but the Warriors have this ace in the hole, which they've used against the Blazers in the past, including last year in the playoffs, which is the Draymond at center lineups. We haven't actually seen that much of that this season for a variety of reasons, but I am completely unsure how much we're going to see that in the first round because the Warriors have used this crazy long view for this whole season. You know, it's been one of the fundamental differences between this year and last year. Last year, partially because of Kerr's back injury and the pride that they felt, they were going for for it all from the jump. Like, that's just the way they treated last season. This year, as great as they've been, 67 wins, fourth best point differential in the history of the NBA, it seems like they've been on autopilot for long stretches of this season. So we're just going to see all of this all in one flush with also with the whole Kevin Durant return angle of this whole thing. Yeah, this is a very interesting season because they still won 67 games, which they I believe that's what they won the year they won the title. Correct. But yeah, the, the whole Durant wrinkle, I do wonder if 
you know, they, they did play together one game since he's been back, but I do wonder whether, you know, I'm interested to see how they're going to react when it's just a little bit more pressurized. It's the first round and it's, it is, you know, it's not the finals or anything and it's not their goal. It's not their end destination, but I do think, you know, Portland has the potential to put them, get them in a tight game because CJ and Dame can score so well. And then you throw out a guy like Alan Crabb, who's a great shooter off this on the wing. And, and they have, uh, you know, they have three really good, really really good shooters that can maybe keep them within arm's length and i and i think that even if they don't have nurkic just this the sheer firepower of lillard mccollum crab maybe whatever you can scrap from harkless and minu and maybe myers leonard who wasn't in the series last time if he can knock down threes you know there then you have an opportunity to to get one and 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 not make this a sweep yeah, I think that's certainly possible. And another way of putting it is that the Warriors, especially when they go really heavy switching, this, that style of defense, what it is designed to do is force the other team into playing a lot of isolation, a lot of one-on-one. The Blazers have two really, really good players at that. So it's different to make that your calculus when you have a team that can actually do it well and can maximize mismatches at certain moments and everything else. So I'm excited to see how they do that, but also just the idea of really seeing what, it might even not be in this series, but what an engaged Durant looks like in this system, and also what they go to, you know, if times get tough. You know, if the Blazers, as you said, if they give them a game, what is Kerr's comfort level? Is Does he want to, does he go back to a traditional center? Which center does he trust the most? Or does it, do they go with Dray, with Draymond at the five and then Iguodala, Durant, Clay, and Steph? That's what I assume it's going to be, but we don't know it until we see it. Right. Uh, one of the things that I've been looking at in this series that because, because of the, the situation that Steph had last year coming back in game four, that I don't think we saw a whole lot of because we only got to see two games of it. But one of the things that I think maybe gives Portland a little more hope to stay with them and, like you said, to take advantage of that switching defense is McCollum. Because more so than Dame, because I think Dame Dame's going to do what he does. And I think based on last year, they put clay on him for a lot of that. And I I don't know where, where do they put Steph because I don't I – don't, I don't particularly like from Golden State's perspective the the Steph CJ matchup. And I and I think that CJ could have a much better series than he had the last time around. I know the Warriors do protect Steph, but I think CJ does have opportunities in switch situations, in ISO situations to 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 take advantage of that. It's going to be a major question for the Warriors this time because they would love to kind of get Steph in favorable matchups when they can, but that if they do that, basically what you're saying is Kevin Durant's going to be guarding guarding McCollum or Lillard at moments, and he's not all the way back yet. I mean, he had I think it was 24 points in the first half against the Lakers, but that's scoring, and that's a little bit different. Defensively, he's moving pretty well, but not all the way. You know, that's the nature of of a knee injury is that it takes a little while to get 100. percent And we'll see where he is at that point. You know, maybe they've been kind of ramping it up a little bit, but I don't know if they want to give him that right away. The advantage that Durant has, we've actually seen this in a couple of different matchups. Harden is is one other example. He has a big advantage in those circumstances. Should they go to that? I think it'll more be on switches, not a base assignment. Because he's just so long that he doesn't necessarily have to stay with the guy. It's a different approach, but he's very good at it. You actually see this a lot from power forwards and centers on switches, which is they understand like the, the most agile. Nerlens Noel does this actually sometimes. They know that they can't necessarily stick with the guy, but they know that they can get their hand where the ball is going. And Durant, he can kill step backs because he doesn't have to be next to you to block a step back. He can be a couple feet away and just reach that long arm out there. No, that's a good point. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he stays, you know, if they end up going to that, if CJ does start to kind of go off because... Uh, you know, Dame had the one game where he had 40 and 10, uh, where they won game three in that series. Uh, but I, I thought towards the end of that game five, which was a, another close game, uh, I thought that CJ was actually like the better option down the stretch of that game. And 
that was more so because of the matchup. Obviously, Steph wasn't all the way right then either. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they adjust if McCollum can get going because I think for the Blazers, even in that, that Clippers series, I thought a lot of their success, you know, the, the Clippers were decimated. But I very much remember, like, in Game 5 of that series in L.A., you know, CJ really closed that out because they had JJ Redick on him. And so I think CJ could be in a position to take advantage of mismatches, but yeah, Durant being there, his length and just the whole Warriors defense uh, is going to do a good job of trying to close those things off. Yeah. And that ties in with what I think is the storyline of this series when the Warriors are on defense, which is how aggressively do they help off of Harkless and Aminu. I mean, Harkless is obviously going to shoot more threes than he has in the last four games, <laughs> but he's the, the Warriors last year had this approach with those two guys of basically saying, we're okay with letting them beat us. And that decision is actually one of the, if they stick with it, which I think they will, I think that's going to inspire more Alan Crabb. And I also think that's going to create even more problems for Portland this year because of the switch from Harrison Barnes to Durant. Like, Barnes can execute a team scheme very well, but he's just not that difference maker in that way. And if you're basically telling Durant, just get in the middle of this and mess everything up because he's theoretically guarding Harkless, he will do a really good job in that spot. And then Iguodala is underrated as a kind of utility defensive player. People think of him as a man-to-man guy. But when he can just muck things up instead, he can do a really, really, really good job. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things that Portland had a little bit of success in that the Warriors adjusted to in the last series was getting Draymond's guy mixed up in getting Draymond's guy to set picks in pick and rolls and not allow him to be the help guy. But now that you have Durant there as another help defender who can protect the rim from a weak side position, it does make it a lot harder to you know have success with that strategy because Durant can do that. It also is a reminder of how how interesting it's going to be with or without Nurkic in terms of the minutes that Pachulia plays. Because Pachulia, uh, he was terrible at pick and roll early in the year. He's inconsistent against the best combinations throughout the year. And do the Blazers go to it a lot early just to make sure they can? And who who does that work with? How do they handle how do they handle switching and everything like that? And do they kind of risk something that way by? playing him off the court a little bit going to either Draymond at center or going to David West who's a little who's better in those kind of circumstances or even maybe some JaVale it's all it's all a coin flip with the Warriors centers it's just a weird circumstance but I wonder how Petrulia faring in this matchup not only affects this series which I think it could be important but also affects moving forward because trust is always nebulous when you're dealing with guys that are in their first playoffs with a single team that's a good point. And and one of the things that you just made me think of talking about the Warrior Centers, if Kerr ends up going with Pachulia, you know, if the Blazers think that, I think to save maybe to try and to attempt to match up speed wise with a Draymond, I don't think they're gonna start Vonley because they've been using the Blazers have been using a small ball lineup with Vonley at the five a lot off the bench. And when they started that lineup, it didn't work out too well. He picked up a lot of fouls. And I think if Nurkic doesn't go, I think they're going to start Myers Leonard and try and make Pachulia guard out to the three-point line. Right. And that lineup gives the Warriors some real fits defensively because if you try, which whichever, whichever, basically whichever guy Curry is on or whatever, of a pick and roll with Leonard, switching that is devastating if, if the Warriors have a traditional center on the floor because both of their both of your guards are just so good at handling that situation. And if they try to fight over it, there are issues there. If they try to go under it, there are issues there. And with Leonard, I mean, I, I was at the game against Minnesota where he couldn't hit anything and the crowd was, was antsy, but then he played a lot better against the Jazz. And it gives you an upside that you don't necessarily have either way. And part of me is sad that there isn't a Mason Plumley anymore in this series because the Warriors just didn't respect him. And I don't know why I just found that intensely amusing because just you see these moments where a team just knows a player so well and they just go, okay, we know what we're doing here. Yeah, and, and, and he was he was eaten alive in that series by Draymond. I mean, he shot 43, 34, excuse me. He shot 34% in that series. And... 
he did a great job of, of helping uh, handle the ball and, and make things happen that way. It wasn't as if he was a complete waste in the series. I think he was third in assists. But, you know, it it is interesting. And I wonder, too, the one game that was actually close in the regular season, Evan Turner had his best game, probably his best game of the year. And Turner has been super disappointing and... He had a really rough start to the season and things improved. He started, he lost, he got hurt. The Blazers played really great when he was out. But if they do have that kind of pressurized defense where they're ignoring Aminu, they're ignoring Harkless in the corner, maybe you combat that by saying, okay, we'll have Turner run the offense, Crab, CJ, Dame, and one other guy, and and see what happens and, and see if you can kind of get things going that way. And I think... In that respect, I think Turner is is probably better in 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 the playoffs than he is in the regular season. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I was just thinking uh, you might not have a clear cut answer for this. I feel like Ed Davis uh, starters versus starters would have had big trouble in this series, but he could have had a really nice role in some of those backup unusual units. And he was really solid last year. I mean, if, if, yeah. we're, t- if we're talking about last year's Ed Davis, I think. Uh, I mean, he was he was probably he was the best big in the series for the Blazers last year. I thought he, that's I thought, true, and, and 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 he he really did a nice job finishing around the basket. He got a pu- a bunch of offensive rebounds, and I, yeah, it is a bummer that they don't have him. I will say though that in the back half of the season and throughout his career, like the one of the few things that Noah Vonley has been good at throughout his career is he's been pretty good at crashing on the offensive glass. And if Portland can get that uh, from those second units or small ball lineups when Vonley is out there, because Leonard uh, is not really a guy who crashes, especially when he's stepping out to three, he's got to get back on defense. Maybe Noah can kind of, Vonley can create a little bit of havoc there on the glass. He's not what Ed Davis was last year, but he does give the Blazers a little bit of that uh, friskiness on the offensive glass that they, they other they without Nurkic they just don't have. So we talked a little bit about how Golden State will defend Portland, focused on the guard rotation. Who do you think Terry Stotts trusts enough to guard Durant and to guard Curry? Like how how does that all of that work with this Portland squad? That's a really good question because last year the lineup that they had out there where they had two guys who were defenders to kind of have take that duty over from CJ and Dame uh, with Harkless and Aminu in the lineup. I don't, I don't think that they're going to go with that. They're going to have Harkless in there and man, I, I guess as weird as it is, uh, they, they, they could go with Vonley there uh, instead of going small. They could, they could try and do Vonley on Kevin Durant. Because I I really think that that's probably their best chance, and they did have Vonley guarding Giannis uh, a couple of weeks ago. So, and, and and that's kind of the closest they've had to seeing a Durant. So if if I was to say uh, a guy that they would put on Durant, I would say that they put Vonley on Durant and they go Vonley Leonard four five and kind of go big to start. I think we could see some Evan Turner as well. Like Turner's not perfect for that, but he can just kind of be a pain in the butt enough to make it work. Yeah, and and when he's engaged, he's probably, uh, you know, he's a really good perimeter defender. I don't think he's better than Harkless or Aminu, but uh, when he's engaged, he's he's re- he can be really good. And and I yeah, I, I agree with you that Turner. Another interesting thing was last year was that Portland was able to use Gerald Henderson at the four a lot. And I wonder if, if Turner could downsize as a four in certain situations. I think we're going to see that too. I I've been wondering about that as well, just because the idea people always focus on, well, not always, but often focus on downsizing in terms of the center position, you know, going with a nominal power forward or whatever, sliding a true small forward to power forward is also a really big change that certain teams it just doesn't work certain teams it does and Turner at the four Harkless at the well Harkless is a little bit more nebulous but I I think that might I think that's worth trying whether it works or not is an open question but I also one of the things that I'm just struggling with in this series is 
we don't have any clear-cut idea of what the Warriors' rotations are going to look like because they changed so much during the year and because one of the definitive moments in it was that Durant missed the last like month and a half of the year. You know, So you have this idea of, oh, if they do an extension of the regular season rotation, of the, lit, with the late regular season rotation, then maybe that's an option, but who really knows? I mean, we haven't seen it at all. They, early on, they were trying to rant with the second unit, then they moved away from that and did Draymond with the second unit, then they moved away from that and did this really interesting group with Ian Clark, who actually has had two really good games against the Blazers this year, Clark, Clay Thompson, Iguodala, Matt Barnes, because Durant was out. Maybe it would still be Matt Barnes. And David West. That lineup actually could do pretty well against some of Portland's second units, though they usually keep one of their good guards on the floor. Clay would presumably spend that time guarding that guy. So I I don't know. like If, if they go to that but just give the starters more minutes, that's an option. Maybe they just completely throw it out and do something totally different. I do not know. Yeah, that is one of the best parts about this series is just how much we don't know. And the rotations that Golden State uses have been pretty inconsistent, and I I wonder how Portland's going to react to that. They definitely are going to keep one of the two guards on the floor. But it it is going to be really interesting to see how Stotts approaches that, whether he goes, I mean, he really has no choice but to play super small. And one of the things about the Nurkic injury, obviously it it sucks, but one of the like blessings that came with that is that Portland was able to take a lot of their super small lineups out for a test drive that they otherwise would not have. You know, that they were having a Minu at center a lot. It didn't really work out last year against the Warriors, but I do wonder if just having more reps has made them more comfortable with that. And that's something that I'm really looking forward to seeing is can a super downsized lineup with a Minu at center who, who got beasted when he did play those minutes, have those reps helped can uh, has, and, and, and that's another interesting thing I want to see because those second units for Portland have been super small, super versatile, have played really nice defense too, and, and and which has not happened a lot for them this season. Yeah, that's been a, a part, kind of part of the story here. And also, you could phrase this in two different ways, and the way that I would do it is planning and adjustment. So what each of these coaches dis- wants to do is an open question, but also how they adjust and how quickly they adjust will also be worth watching because I am totally comfortable saying that the rotations in game one of this series, the rotations in game four or five, however far it goes, those will probably be significantly different because both teams are, you know, hopefully both teams are working in guys that are getting healthier. I I would love to see Nurkic play in this series. Duran is obviously working his way back. And because they'll see what works and see what doesn't. It's part of the reason why I love seven game series is that you have the time to do this. You have the, if, if a team struggles, you can throw other things out there. That doesn't, mean in any way shape or form that those things will work but at least you can try it right i think and i think portland and golden state are both going to try a lot of it i do you mentioned clark i think that clark is going to get a lot of playing time uh to maybe because it seems like one of the things at least from watching the warriors not as closely but i do feel like kerr likes to not he likes to play those bench guys a lot he he doesn't it doesn't seem to me that he makes his big minute his his starters play you know 40 minutes in the playoffs and I think that Clark will probably get a lot of time just to go out and just bother one of those guys and without clay out there just to to mix it up and give those guys a break because I feel like he he seems with his rotations very sensitive to that he is, and there is a, a, a great awareness in the, and I mean great in terms of large, not great in terms of the positive thing, awareness of the wear and tear that a, that the playoffs can do and the idea that they need to escalate, that they need to ramp up. And I was talking about this a little bit uh, when I did Dunked On, we were talking about the Wizards the Wizards series and the idea that they're probably going to go for it from from the beginning because they know that they need to win that series. It's a four or five. So John Wall might play, you know, 40 something minutes in the starting at the beginning of that series if he's healthy enough to. I don't think the Warriors are going to do that here. I, I think they're going to be in the, you know, mid to high 30s for the most part, unless they get really threatened in a game or two. Then maybe they push it up. And you're right. That opens up minutes for him. And 
Another X factor in this series, I mean, the Warriors four All-Stars are obvious X factors, but Sean Livingston has had a lot of trouble this season finding his way because they now have a lot more ball-dominant, capable players, and he can do well with those lineups, but it, it, it takes some feeling out, and they never really he never really got it with Durant, but when Durant got out, they started swapping his minutes, and he started playing more with Curry and less with the second unit, and that worked really well. And so that's one that could get squeezed the more that those the starters play. That's really interesting because I thought Livingston, obviously in those in those first couple of games, I think he went off in game one, and like I don't think he missed a shot or something crazy. He he totally dominated in one of the, in that first game. I thought Portland couldn't guard him. He got to that mid range pull up and just made pretty much every single one. Uh, and, and that's interesting if they don't have him in the series. Uh, oh, well, well, he'll, he'll play. I uh-huh. mean, so what, what Livingston, basically what his kind of his niche this year has been is that certain days his shot is absolutely going. It's kind of, if he gets the right matchup, it gets the right comfort area. Then the other team just kind of has to tuck in a little bit because he's so good at getting his spots. You know, he's kind of, kind of, there are some parallels on the Blazers with that. And because he's so much taller than the guys, most teams put on him, it becomes a big advantage. What I wonder about is how they want to deploy him considering Portland's guard situation you know, with Dame and CJ. Maybe they use him in some of the circumstances where the other teams, you know, another guy isn't, one of their two best guys isn't out there, or that they can slide Durant or Iguodala down onto CJ, or probably on CJ. I don't think they'd put him on Dame Willard. Or that, or that they feel they can contain the other guy just comfortably enough with whatever they have. And then you can let Livingston go to work. But a lot of times when the Blazers do that, because they don't really rely on a backup point guard in the traditional sense, they are getting into they get into some spots where if Livingston tried to do that on Alan Crabb, it's not going to work as well. Yeah, and and I one of the things that you mentioned earlier in this podcast was that this series may some of the things that the with not guarding Harkless, not guarding Aminu may force Stotts to use Crab more. I think. Uh, you know, Crab has been a guy who has had uh, an up and down season, even though his stats ended up really well, uh, he, or were really great at the end of the season, kind of back up to the levels where they were last year, especially with his shooting. And I think that I, I, I want to see him play because I do think that when he's engaged, he's a much better, like the, the difference in, in Crab's defense when he cares and when he doesn't is significant. And if he's all the way healthy, I do I really do think that, you know, they need to get get him in there. And I would not be surprised if Portland went, like, super-duper small, like Crabb, McCollum, Lillard, Turner, or something like that, just to get a, a more offense on the court. And I do think that Crabb's defense, when he's engaged, is a lot better uh, than his overall defensive reputation. Because I remember uh, it, it, the first half of the season, he didn't really play that much defense. And then I remember a Toronto game, like right after Christmas, and he deed up DeRozan for the entire game. And he he did a, I think he had a steal against Harden down the stretch of the Houston win a couple of weeks ago. I do think that Crab is Crab has the potential to get up a level in this series as well. And I like that they rested him as well and let his foot heal. So that he can kind of rise up a level, because I do think that in terms of just the two-way play, that he they're going to need him to have a big series to have a chance. They are in Portland. We talked about the idea a little bit of just kind of how the rotations are going to look if their base lineups do not work, which is a possibility. It's not a certainty. They do not have a ton of other things to throw out there. I mean, it's not. I don't think Shavaz Napier is the answer. Mm-mm. Uh, you're so not, yeah, you're not alone on that. Crab, right? yeah, Crab is a possibility. You know the Vonley, Vonley again, Myers Leonard possibility, Evan Turner. You know, so those I would say those are kind of their three big arrows that are that are not in that lineup, and all those guys are going to be playing no matter what. But just the different combinations and everything like that. And for the Warriors, partially because they're just so much healthier than Portland, and just the nature of getting good guys at the minimum, which is it is what it is at this point. They have a lot more things they can try. I mean, that might be what JaVale McGee does in this series, is that when things aren't working, they throw him out there and, and just see how it goes. And with the guard rotation, I think that they will, they're they flexible enough that... And also Kerr's just nature of wanting to keep everybody happy. They'll just 
try different things out and and see how it works. And I don't think they're going to focus that much on this series on putting their best lineups out there for very long. I think we'll see some we'll see some stretches with it, and then the rest of the time they're just going to be feeling things out, making sure everybody stays happy. Totally, and I think that that is kind of that approach is one of the things that it opens the door for Portland to get a game. Uh, and, and I think if they're going to get one, it's gotta be, you know, they have great home court advantage here, but I think if they're, you know, I think if they're going to get one, I think it's gotta be one of those first two, uh, you know, if, if Nurkic doesn't come back at all, if it's just these two teams as currently constructed, no Nurkic, I really do think that one of these first two games, because of that, because of how the Warriors may be approaching it, how they may be trying guys doing things, not really planning game, you know, doing so much planning around Portland that that could open a door for Portland to, to steal one of those first two games. And I really think that if Nurkic doesn't come back, that's when they've got to uh, make a, make a run. Cause I, cause I think golden state, at least this season, they've been fantastic, but I feel like they do have a tendency to, to sleep a little bit sometimes. And, and maybe one of these first two games, not taking Portland very seriously, uh, could be an opening for the, for Portland to steal a win and get on the board. The Warriors have lost one of the first two games in a series numerous times in their, in their successful runs the last couple of years. They lost one of the two games at home. I know in the, in the year they won the title, they lost one of the two against the Cavs and against the Grizzlies. And then last year they did against the Thunder as well. And it, you know, that's kind of the nature of, of how this can go sometimes with the Warriors is that there's a story that they take us some time to figure a series out. And then they, then once they do, they do well. That was really the story of the 2015 season. Last year it was a little bit different, but the whole thing was garbled up because of Curry's injury. I don't know if that's going to be true here, but also uh, something that I want to watch here is broadly speaking, the Warriors have done a really good job of figuring out, of playing teams that they were a repeat playoff opponent, playing them better the second time than they did the first time. So the Rockets, you know, they had that feeling out phase the first time in the Western Conference Finals. They did win that series comfortably, but then the second time they just exerted more control. There were some close games in that series. They did that with Cleveland, while we all focus on the fact that they blew the 3-1 lead, they also got the 3-1 lead. And they were they were in control of that series in many ways before everything fell apart. And while you can draw just as much on the ending as you can on the beginning, I want to see if they can use the approach they did against Portland from the beginning or if the, the Nurkic injury and everything else just kind of garbles it up enough that they doubt their original game plan. Yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, and yeah, the, and, I, and I wonder from Portland's perspective too because they've had uh, lots of playoff experience, but they haven't had a repeat opponent yet in uh in the in the Lillard era they haven't played a team a second time in a series so from that perspective I'm kind of interested to see you know where Portland goes with that and and you know who do they put on clay who do they put on Steph uh I I, I, is another question because I think they they put Harkless onto clay a lot last year but then there was no Durant and uh who they match up against, who they put Lillard on, will they have Lillard guarding Curry? Will they switch that? Maybe put a bigger defender on Curry and have someone chase Clay, but I don't necessarily think that that works out well because uh, you know Clay is just phenomenal off the ball. So uh, Portland has a lot of questions to answer on the defensive end that this lineup it, it, with the lineup that I, I think that they'll probably start with without Nurkic with Vonley and Leonard in there is going to be harder for them to address some of those questions. And, uh, you know, do they kind of throw that out the window? Do they go with a Minu at four and do something completely off the wall? Because it, it is hard for me to imagine uh, if it, when they go to Draymond at center or something like that, that Myers Leonard is going to be out there guarding him. And so the, the Warriors' tendencies to stick to a traditional big lineup at the start, I think, does help them in that regard a little bit. But... Uh, I don't know if they're going to have enough, you know, defenders out there to to really, you know, make Golden State work hard enough. 
Yeah, it's definitely something to consider in this series, just the, the trade-offs and the nature of moving from starter ha- starters to backups is that usually one of the reasons that players are not starters in the NBA is that they're imbalanced in terms of their skill set. They're better on one end or the other. And Portland has a lot of those decisions to make. And that's why it's been so encouraging to see Alan Crabb get better defensively, be more active, because that makes him a more viable player in the playoff setting. And so I'm excited to see how those dynamics play out. But I feel like we've been dancing around it a little bit. Do you and I, it's totally fine with me if you don't. Do you have a prediction for the series right now? I th- I think Portland wins a game. Uh, and and if Nurkic comes back, I think they 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 have a chance at winning too. But I do think Nurkic or not, I just think that you know Lillard and McCollum are so good that they. I think they'll win a game in this series. Uh, but I won't go. I I won't get any farther than that. I think Blazers in five and or not Blazers in five. Ugh, Warriors in five. Excuse me. But if Nurkic is around, then it makes me think a little bit harder about you know, maybe they can win a second game. And, and, but I don't think beyond that, uh, that, you know, this team right now is, is going to be there, but, uh, yeah. What, what, what are you feeling? I'm in a, of a very similar mind. I think that the, the combustibility in a positive way of Lillard and McCollum makes it less likely that we see a sweep, even if maybe the talent disparity is great. Portland, for until the last game of the season, Portland was the second best team in the league in net rating since the All-Star break. And for those who, are un, who, who aren't familiar with it, net rating is just points scored versus points against per 100 possessions. So it scales on pace and everything like that. Portland has been very good since they made the trade. The problem with that is they might not have the reason, part of the reason they've been so good. And they've been second, but the Warriors have been a lot better despite Durant missing almost that entire time. So I feel fairly comfortable at this moment that it's not going to be a sweep, but I also feel like the underlying dynamics are very favorable to the Warriors. So I think that it will be on the shortish side. So I'm going to go Warriors in five, but I could, yeah, I could see it going, I could see it going six. I, I don't, I think five is a pretty comfortable, comfortable range though with this series, just because of the dynamics in place. Yeah, but yeah, I well, I guess I I hope Nurkic comes back because so do I, I. Yeah, I, I I want Nurkic to come back. Like I want I want that. I know that there's a lot of folks that are you know hemming and hawing, and everyone knows the Blazers' history with this stuff. But you know, if he wants to play and he can play, like well, okay, I'm gonna push back on that. I don't think it's if he wants to play. I think it's if he's you be really really patient with him because what Nurkic has proven this year is that he's worth an investment and. There is an argument to be made here, as much as I hate it for tanking purposes, just for my own enjoyment, that if he, let's say he can't come back until game three or game four, is it worth it to take the risk of something that could potentially affect him, maybe limit his recovery this summer or anything else for the prospect of raising your chances of winning the series by 5%? I'm not sure that's worth it. No, and and I will say though that the way that the series schedule has shaken out does give the Blazers a little bit more hope, and I think maybe makes it more likely that he does come back because Game Three isn't till Saturday night after you know, so he's going to have an ex. He could potentially have another week to heal. So I would, yeah, I would, I want them to be cautious with him because he does fit really well with this with his team. It seems like they kind of they actually have a big three. Those, uh, you know, Will Barton I think was the first person that said that after the Nuggets game that Nurk gives the Blazers a big three. And so, do you want to mortgage that future just to, like you said, increase your chances by about five percent? And that's the question. And I think, as you as you said rightly, is that it should be whether he's healed or not. The medical team needs to clear him and. You know, he needs to be able to kind of actually go through a real workout because most of the workouts that he's gone through have been, you know, 25 minutes shooting, like a little bit of explosion, but he hasn't done any contact. And that's not really the best way to prepare for a series against the Warriors because as small as they play at times, they're a very physical team. They are a very physical team. And the other reason why I say this is, you know, somebody who's kind of done this for a little while, one of the big adjustment periods that you see for players is their first summer after they've been with a new team. And 
I even saw this with the Warriors after they changed coaches, when they went from Kerr to Mark Jackson, because you have a better idea of what you are and what they want you to do, so you can change your off-season regimen very differently. And I would be reluctant. That's the big reason, in many ways, why I would be reluctant with Nurkic, because if you have a setback that takes a couple weeks or a month of that away, that development time could be central for a team that has the potential to you know, maybe host a playoff series next year. And I'm a big believer in how good they've been. And, you know, there are financial issues that could weigh on this. And that makes the development even more important, in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly. So when you it's one of these weird things that when you're higher on your future, you should be a little bit more cautious in your present. And while for selfish reasons, I want as much Nurkic as we can handle in this series, the Blazers are going to have brighter days next year than they have right now. Yeah, and, and you making that point, you know, it's funny. We had uh, Myers Leonard on the podcast uh, around the trade deadline, and he talked about that because he had shoulder surgery, had to wait, had to recover, and just kind of do rehab. And he really is hoping that this summer is going to be a summer where he can really play basketball and work on his game. And just being able to play in the offseason is a big thing. And, uh, yeah, that like that's a great point that Nurkic is going to have a better idea of what he needs to do on the team. Will be, uh, will get a regimen uh, with the with the Blazers training staff who have helped him lose quite a bit of weight since he got to Portland. Uh, so all of those things you mix that in, you you kind of want to be cautious. And so uh, if he's healthy and can play in game three or four cool but uh yeah i i would not uh i would not mortgage the future on that because he like you said he's worthy of an investment and the way that they've played i don't it ha- wasn't smoke and mirrors when he was out there like it was it was legit they were good exactly and part of what i enjoy a lot about this series is the idea that I'm not as worried like I am, especially now with the injury with the Spurs and Grizzlies. Like, even if it's a short series, I don't think this is going to be a slog. I don't know if it's going to be a short series, but I think that it will be worth watching no matter what. Excellent. I think that's a great place to wrap this up. Uh, Any any parting thoughts? I think that that was the great parting thought. We don't need any more parting thoughts, unless you have anything else that you do want to say about this series. No, I think we'll have plenty of time to say it during the series, and and that's why I'm going to be so excited to be doing a doing a frequent podcast on this one. Is the idea that there will be things to talk about each game, even if we feel like the dynamics are in place, there are going to be nuances and wrinkles the whole way through. Excellent, and you can hear about all those nuances and wrinkles on Locked On Warriors and Locked On Blazers throughout the series. Danny, thank you, and uh, good luck with the series. It's going to be fun. Absolutely, thanks. Thanks for talking with me.